Are you an attorney that wants to help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need? But you also want to make better money than you're making right now. This is Elder Law in a Box. You'll become proficient helpers of the aging. Now your host, certified elder law attorney and past president of the National Elder Law Foundation. This is Elder Law in a Box. And this is Todd Watley. All right. Thank you for joining us one more time. And so up to this point, we've kind of done just basic um, non-controversial stuff that you'll learn as I go through this. I kind of like the quirky things that tend to be a little controversial sometimes. And this is one of those topics. And when I announce it, you'll be like, wait, how can that be controversial? Um, There are two schools of thoughts on on this, and so I will get into that. Today's topic is, who is the client? And I probably should have done this as one of the first ones, but I just wanted to jump into some of the issues and help you get a grasp of what elder law is, and then some of the very basic planning things that you need to know. It is obviously very important as attorneys for us to know who the client is. And I cannot think of any other field of law where this would even be a question because obviously the client is the person that you're working for. But in elder law, it it tends to be different because sometimes the person that we're doing all this work for is the older person who could be incapacitated, could be living in a nursing home, and you may never meet, okay? And so where the two schools of thought are, and there's some very highly thought of attorneys who do not agree with this, and so I am not saying that I am right. I am saying this is how I do it. And I will say over the years of bringing up this topic in presentations, statewide, nationally, that I do think most people agree with me on this, but it is not a universal thought, and it is something that you need to think about. So typically, you know, in a divorce case, the person comes in saying, I want to file for divorce. Well, they are your client. If a criminal walks in to your, or someone who's accused of a crime walks into your office, you're representing them. I mean, in almost every situation of the law, the person you're sitting in front of typically is going to be your client. However, in elder law, so many times, I would say probably half of the times, the people walking into your office are the children are a loved one to say, hey, I am here because my dad, my husband, my wife, whoever is ill, has been diagnosed with dementia, is having some problems or is in a nursing home, and we need to protect them, okay? So you have two choices at that point. You can either have the person sitting in front of you be the client, and therefore you're doing things, but you're doing it for someone else, which in my mind immediately causes some confusion. And then also, if your 
if you choose that person sitting in your office to be your client, working for another person, what if they get greedy? What if they start doing things that you think, wait, this is not in the best interest of that older person? Well, that older person is not your client. Your client is the person that you're working with. And I think your confidence, uh, confidentiality becomes somewhat um, compromised at that point. All right. So my point is, in my office, basically every time the client is the older person that we are doing the work for. Okay. Like I said, not everyone agrees with this, but I think that is the majority rule in in most cases. So let's talk about that. So someone comes in and Mr. Jones is a, you know, older man who is in a nursing home, had a stroke, went to the hospital, now is in the nursing home. And it is, everybody believes he is not coming home. He needs to be in the nursing home. He is married to Mrs. Jones and they have some assets. As you know, or will know over time is we can protect a large portion of the assets and get him on Medicaid and preserve the assets, which is what I have never, well, I can't say never. There's been very, very, very few people who have sat in my office and said, between giving the money to my spouse or my kids or the nursing home, I choose the nursing home. All right. It is very rare that they do that. They would much rather the money go to their spouse to protect them or even to their kids if there is a a way we can do this. And you will learn in episode eight that there is gifting. We can do that. So you are looking at the best interest of the older person, the person who is in the nursing home and it in in my mind, it clarifies my thought process to say, I am doing everything for this person who is now aged and incapacitated in a nursing home. In order to work for that person with someone else, obviously you have to have powers of attorney. And I will do a podcast on the importance of powers of attorney very quickly because that is one of my huge pet peeves, it is a huge issue in elder law because of this very issue. We may not be able to work with our client. We have to work with someone else with the legal authority to work for that person. And so that's where the power of attorney comes into great um, importance at that point so that we can work for this older person that we may or may not ever meet, okay? So, in my practice, the older person is the client. It also helps if the agent, say, the wife, the kids, whoever is the agent under the power of attorney who has a fiduciary duty to that older person, if they go, quote, off the rails and start doing things that are not What the older person wanted to do, say in their estate plan, they wanted some money to the spouse or some money to the kids, but you'll particularly see this when there is no spouse and we are now gifting to the kids, the estate plan may say, I want everything equally divided. Well, the agent under the power of attorney may say, well, I've spent the most time, I've 
quit my job. I've done all this stuff for dad and therefore I want to get more of the money. And you're like, no, 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 hang on a second. You're not my client. Your dad is my client and I'm going to do what is in his best interest in this trust or last will and testament tells us he wants everything equally divided between the kids. Now, you can work it out with the kids to say you deserve more or whatever, but my direction as my client's attorney is they wanted everything equally divided between their kids, and therefore we're going to do that. And if the agent refuses to do that, that is not in our client's best interest, and we can do something. We can get that agent removed and bring up the successor or, or something to fix the problem. Whereas had you gone with the idea that the person sitting in my office is the client, what would you have done in that situation? Because they were not doing what their parent wanted and it was not following their fiduciary duty and therefore a problem since you can't go against your client. Okay, so that that is my thinking on who the client is in the elder law practice. It's different, okay? There's a very, very prominent attorney out there that I respect, and he has told me, he said, Todd, you can't represent someone that you've never met. And I'm like, well, with the agent under the power of attorney, I think you can, okay? I think that person is there for that person's, for the older person's benefit. And I think it is clear and it's clear in my mind who I am working for, who I am protecting and doing all of this work for. And that is the older person. Now, exceptions to that rule is if someone comes in and the older person is truly incapacitated, and we'll do a whole series of probably a a series of podcasts on that because that's a huge topic. But if the person truly is incapacitated and has no power of attorney, the only option then would be to do a guardianship. And in that situation, since you have no legal document for the older person to authorize the person sitting in your office to work with you, you cannot then represent the older person. You are then representing the kid as a potential guardian for the incapacitated older person, okay? So in those situations, yes, you you can only work with the person sitting in your office, but it's because the older person is incapacitated and they have no legal documents to authorize you to work for them, okay? I hope this made sense. I hope it clears your thinking some. And this is a very common issue when someone gets into elder law. They're like, but but the client never was in the office. I know, that's okay, okay? You're working for them through the agent under the power of attorney. You're looking out for their best interest. You're doing what you can best determine what they want to do. And you can do that through estate planning documents or whatever, but in general, you are looking out for their best interest to protect them and their estate and do with their estate what you wanted. Okay. As always, if you have questions, you can always um, email me at Todd at elderlawinabox.com. Um, you can go to our 
website. You can leave questions there. I would love to hear from you and see if you agree with me on this or not, and let's discuss it, okay? Thank you very much, and uh, please hit like and subscribe, and I will talk to you next time. You've been listening to Elder Law in a Box, helping you help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. But it doesn't stop here. If you want to learn more about letting Todd be your elder law coach, find him at www.elderlawinabox.com and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Elder Law in a Box. Thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>